All righty, welcome back to Frog Fever. I think this is episode 14 of Frog Fever, a Big 12 basketball podcast brought to you by KillerFrogs.com. We've got another good episode uh, on the way. We have, of course, we have what we usually do. We talk Big 12 basketball. We talk TCU basketball. But after both of those things, we have Michael Robinson on, who is the third highest ranked recruit in TCU history. He comes on. And he talks about his recruiting process, TCU season, um, all that good stuff. Um, so it's a good episode once again. But Nick, how are you doing? How are you, how do you feel? I'm good, man. Yeah, TCU lost, and we'll get into that, which kind of sucks. But you know, another great episode. Micah was a great, uh, con- you know, conversation with him. Shout out him coming <laughs> on. You know, that's huge. You know, finding time in his in his day to to come on because he is a big time prospect and. Yeah. Shout out him too. Um, he balled out yesterday. Yeah. Oak Hill got a big I saw win. He had against... a big weekend. Yeah, he's like the best player in Oak Hill, and Oak Hill's one of the best high schools in the nation. So he he's pretty big time. Frog fans would be excited about about this yeah. one. Yeah, for sure. Um, was, that was fun to have him on and kind of hear about like the behind the scenes of the recruiting stuff. But before we get into like the basketball stuff, I have to ask you, and I'll get your official prediction later on. But it's a big day for you. Today's Sunday. Yeah. It is a big Super Bowl Sunday. Sunday, baby. Super Bowl Sunday. This will be out after the Super Bowl. But how? What are your feelings? How are you feeling? Nerves. I've never been in your position before, so I'm just curious. Yeah, it's like. my third. It's my third time doing it. Um, I you know I was a kid the first one. Lights went out. Ravens. Yeah, that whole thing. That sucked. And then that was you in know, 2019. I think. Oh well, no, I think it was in Nola. Oh, that was, was in Nola. Yeah. Yeah. And then 2019. If Emmanuel Sanders was faster, that was a dot by Jimmy G. Yeah, <laughs> I'll stand yeah. by that now. Um, but yeah, it's third time doing it. Uh, I I'm I'm confident. I'm really confident. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously Pat Mahomes on the other side, but big, big, uh, big C Brock's gonna <laughs> gonna whip that out there. Yeah, and, um, yeah. Uh, God, it's gonna be close, and I'm nervous, but I think we'll pull it out. I think this All is right. the year. All We've right, been good. so close to NFC chip, you know, yeah. the drop pick a couple years ago and then last year when we just didn't have a quarterback. But, yeah. um, no, I, I'm high for it, and I think we'll pull it out. Well, living where I, I live in Missouri, so there's Chiefs fans all around me, and I've gotten completely sick of the Chiefs because of that. So I hate to say it, but I may be, I may be riding with the 49ers today. Let's go. That's big from a Cowboys fan. I know. I, hate, I, hate, <laughs> I absolutely what, that, hate to say it. But yeah, and most people are, are like, like most people don't like the Niners, I know, but I feel like most people hate the Chiefs more, which yeah. is yeah. kind of fun to be in that position. Because if it was yeah. the Ravens, it'd be everybody against us, which yeah. is, um, yeah. which is tough. Yeah, but yeah, I'm nervous. I just hope it's a good game. Hope it's a fun game. Um, yeah, it should be. All right, let's let's talk basketball though. We had another let's do it interesting week in the Big Twelve. Um, you mentioned earlier to me that there it wasn't super crazy there's only like two upsets technically so it was kind of as far as the big 12 goes it was kind of a a normal normalish week um yeah but the first thing we'll talk about last monday it was kansas kansas state a rivalry game kansas state was you know desperately in need of a win and they go to overtime and when they win in overtime i knew it was over i knew kansas had no shot but what were uh you know, do you feel any different about Kansas State going and getting a win at Kansas? Or how does that make you feel about Kansas State? Anything different? 
Yeah, it. I mean, we talked about last week that we were kind of writing him off, and I, mm-hmm. I hate Kansas State because they keep coming back in the conversation by having a big time win. Right when you write him off, yeah. but you have to keep him in the conversation because uh, that was probably the most exciting game of the week on Monday, Sunflower Showdown. Mm-hmm. It was another overtime game. Um, Tyler Perry was just unreal, uh, especially late in the game. You know, shout out, shout out another short king. Um, and, you know, Cam Carter was great. Kaluma was great. They had a complete performance and, um, you know, it kind of, they, they needed this one bad. You mm-hmm. know, they went to overtime tanks now 11 and 0, I believe in overtime games, or maybe it's 12 and 0 now. I don't even know, but, uh, if he's in overtime, they don't lose. And that's exactly what happened this time. Um, I believe that's your like fifth overtime win of the year, uh, mm-hmm. in, in that many games. So just these overtime wins are the things that's keeping K-State alive in the Big 12. Mm-hmm. And they keep showing their talent to do so. You know, they lost uh, they lost at BYU on Saturday. So I don't think they're fully back, but they kept that game tight, too. I mean, that was tight till the end. And, yeah. you know, playing in Provo is such a tough game. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I want to – I keep getting ready to ride them off, but they keep coming back with a big win. And mm-hmm. that was massive for them because – Tyler Perry showed what he could do. Cam Carter showed what he can do. And Kaluma played well as well. So if your guys show up, K-State can beat you. Yeah. That's actually, I think that's their sixth overtime win of the year now that I'm counting it, which is just crazy. So yeah. they're 6-0 and in overtime. Um, but, yeah, I think that game kind of uh, illustrates what Kansas State could be on their best day. Like, they have – I think we've talked about it. They have um, some interesting pieces, like talented guys. Tyler Perry was great at North Texas, a huge transfer get for them. Uh, Cam Carter, you talked about him. Like, when they're, when they're all on um, – I think they show that they can be a dangerous team. It's just like finding ways to make sure they're all on at the same time. But um, what about Kansas? Does this make you feel any way about Kansas or is this just a rivalry loss? Yeah, I think it's kind of a rivalry loss because Mm -hmm. of how they bounce back against Baylor. And uh, we can get into that a little more later, but you know, Kansas, like, in this game, they played fine. Johnny Furphy didn't show up, which was has been the X factor. That was the first real game he hasn't showed up since he uh, was put in the starting lineup. Mm-hmm. But I'm slowly talking myself back into Kansas if we just want to get into that Baylor game because it's yeah, let's get into it. it just yeah, it just flows into it because that yeah. was probably the second biggest game of the week. Mm-hmm. Kansas Baylor game day was there, all that stuff, and the big X factor for this game was that Kevin McCullough was out. And the whole thing all year has been Kansas' depth. You have McCullough, Dickinson, you know, KJ and Dewan are good pieces there too, but that's all you have. So if you have an injury like a McCullough, then you're screwed pretty much is yep. kind of what we've been saying all year. But they were out. McCullough gets one of the best teams in the Big 12, and they were able to pull out the win against Baylor, which I'm, I've been uh, criticized criticizing Kansas State a lot this year because um I just have felt they've been a little bit overrated to this point um but beating Baylor without McCuller is a huge step that guys can step up Timberlake almost screwed that game away at the end like five times but um he's trying to lose yeah he was fine at the at the start Mm -hmm. Furphy 
bounce back and show that he he's gonna be a consistent piece for him. You know, Dickinson played well. Yes, Baylor played a bad game and missed mm-hmm. two threes um down the stretch and had twenty one turnovers. So yeah. Baylor didn't play good, and I wouldn't say that Kansas' depth isn't an issue just because of this one game, but Kansas did show to me that they have guys that can step up if needed to be good teams, and they are still very capable of making a deep run in March. Yeah, that was our only real criticism of Kansas. Like, they're not deep, and we, we were, we've we wondered all year what happens when one of, your, one of those top two guys go down. And um, that happened against Baylor, who's really good, and yeah, they didn't play well. But Baylor out-rebounded Kansas Kansas 42 to 25, which is usually pretty telling of a result. Um, so it's not, I mean, it was a great, it was a really good game and a competitive game that, you know, you had to have other guys step up. Dewan Harris played a good game. Um, like you said, Furphy bounced back. Timberlake was at least out there and played 31 minutes and he had eight points. Um, let's see. Oh, Marco Jackson played 21 minutes. He didn't really do much. He scored one point. Did have four steals, so that's something for them. Um, but that's a really good win, and against a really good team, um, it definitely kind of it definitely kind of proved us wrong. You know, we were, we wondered what would happen, and they they kind of showed us. So they're really good, and um, it seems like kind of there's this three team race at the top currently in the Big Twelve that involves Kansas, Houston, and Iowa State. And if you want to get into those three and how they compare to each other, we can do that next. But it's tied up yeah. there. And I think on any given day, they could any of the teams could win against each other. So it's pretty cool. But what do you think about those three? Yeah, so after this week, we kind of are seeing a little bit of separation at the top. Um, I would say, yeah, you're right. Houston, Kansas, and Iowa State are at the top, and they're probably the best three teams um, maybe ba- you had Baylor there too, and I do want to add on that Baylor Kansas game. Langston and Love was out for Baylor too, so yeah. Baylor wasn't exactly at full strength, but McCullough's one of the best players in the nation, so mm-hmm. that adds more of a weight there. But in terms of Houston, Kansas, and Baylor, yes, those are the best three teams, and we just saw a clinic of what Iowa State could do against TCU. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we just saw Kansas, and we saw Houston have another successful week. I think it's very interchangeable to be honest. Iowa State showed me that they're probably they're legitimately a top ten team in the nation, and they probably should be ranked up there. Houston has just been as consistent as anybody all year, and they're mm-hmm. up there. And you know, Kansas proves that they have the star power that can kill you from every angle. They have Houston and Iowa State kind of have a similar approach where they play a slow pace, and mm-hmm. they, you know, their defense is what their backbone is. And Kansas is more of an um Kansas plays great defense too, but they're they're more of like star power driven and, and guys like that. But um I've said it all year because Houston remains at the top and I still would give the slight edge to Houston just because they haven't had as many hiccups as the other teams. And um, you know, sometimes Iowa State's shooting could be their uh their Achilles heel or you know, their, their offense could fall flat a little bit when Houston's been more consistent. And Jamal Shedd's been arguably the best player in the conference, especially the last month. Mm-hmm. Um, So he stepped up for Houston. Him and LJ Cryer are a killer duo that really – and Jawan Roberts, too, the big man, and was amazing this week to keep your offense afloat. 
and Kansas' depth just scares me too much. So just by a hair, I would still say Houston because um, I think they have the highest floor there, but it could go either way. Yeah, I think we're both really high on Houston just because of the defense that they play. Like it's historically one of the great defenses that college basketball seen. Um, but like take Houston out of it. I'm curious. This is an interesting conversation, but who, who out of Iowa state and Kansas do you think has the better chance of like making the deep run? And we'll just say like, which of the, which of Iowa state and Kansas has the better national championship chance in your eyes? God, it's tough. Cause we, yeah, we can get even more in depth on Iowa State later with the TCU game, yeah, obviously. But um, Iowa State is such a complete team mm. in terms of like winning. Like, I can obviously picture Kansas making a deep run and like winning mm. the Natty more than I could probably picture Iowa State just because Kansas has been there, done that before. You know, you see the Jayhawk Unis and you. You kind of think they're better. Although but I those, do think I, I have to say those sunflower uniforms that Kansas wears, I think are terrible. Oh, I think they're cold. You like them? <laughs> I, I like them. them. I can't say. Yeah, uh, I know them. a lot of people hate them, but I I don't know. I kind of think they're clean. All right. But Fair um, enough. yeah, right. agree to disagree. <laughs> but yeah, the um. But Iowa State has just been more consistent all year that I have more faith in them winning games at this point. And that defense is just so, so good. And I think of uh, Taman Lipsy and Keyshawn Gilbert, you know, that backwards cold. They had Dirk at the four. Um, you know, they, they're they more of a consistent team, so I would have more faith in them right now. But as I said before, I could see Kansas making a deep run as well. Yeah, I kind of agree. Kansas, like we know Kansas, Bill Self has done this so so many times. Um, that team in terms of like tournament experience obviously would have the edge, but I think Iowa State is maybe the most underrated team in the country right now. Like they're what yeah. are they what are they ranked AP? I don't even really know. I think they're fourteen. Yeah, I'm sure that will come up uh on Monday because they went to Texas and won, and they um, beat TCU yesterday. So I think that they're um, going to be ranked higher. They certainly deserve to be ranked higher. They've won, what is this, five of the last six Big 12 games, which is a really, really impressive run in this conference. It's close, but we saw what happened when they played each other. Obviously, that was in Ames, I believe. And they, they're not going to have a rematch in Lawrence. So you have to kind of think of it, who wins on a neutral site. Um, and I don't know. I just really like Iowa State. I think they're – I agree with you in the fact that they're just like a team. They're more of a team. You, you, they're not relying on – although Tame and Lipsy has been really amazing, but they're not really relying on that one guy or those two guys like Kansas is, even though we talked about Kansas proved that they could – you know, handled good teams without one of those guys. But still, I feel like just the overall team, the way it's put together, um, Otzelberger's a good coach. Um, and, yeah, their defense is awesome. It's right up there with Houston's. So um, it's tough for me, but I I think they both can. But I, I'm interested to see what Iowa State can do because um, they're just – 
they're just put together really well, I think. Yeah, it's an interesting conversation because um, they both have, like, you could make an argument that they're, I don't know, two of the top five atmospheres in the nation, if not, like, mm-hmm. top three. Like, those, Allen Fieldhouse and, um, is it Hilton? Yeah, the Hilton Coliseum. Coliseum. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those two atmospheres are crazy for them, and they're both undefeated at home. Um, Iowa State has three red losses, Kansas has four so far. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those conversations where it's super beneficial in conference play. Mm-hmm. But if you feed on that too much, you know, you could, when it's not there for you in close games, then you could see it, the advantage. So I wonder how much. Um, like if they if they get to rely on the home court conversation when it comes to the neutral site postseason play, which could be uh, an interesting conversation there. But I mean, you're right. Both these teams are crazy, but Iowa State is legitimately a top ten team in the nation. And I don't know if it's just because we saw them destroy TCU twice now <laughs> that it's like oh, like maybe we're just a horrible matchup for them. But um, in what I've watched of them, they've been they've been stifling on the all year and. They're a real threat for sure. Yeah. So, like, so I just want to look at who they beat this year because it's pretty impressive. They have their wins. They have wins over Houston two times against TCU, Kansas, Texas. Um, and like I said, they've won five of the last six. And in that six-game stretch, it's TCU, Kansas State, Kansas. They lose at Baylor, but they beat Texas and TCU. That's a really, really impressive stretch of wins. Um. So yeah, I'm a big fan of them and um it'll be interesting to see like who which which of these teams separates itself um from the from the other two like we've been talking about or maybe there is never never really a separation and it's just going to come down to the final game because I might be wrong but I think that final game isn't it Houston Kansas? Yeah, I believe it is. It is. It is. So that'll probably have implications but um yeah. Pretty cool at the top. Uh, it's a fun, it's a fun conference, and um, I'm interested yeah. to see how it shapes up. But still up for grabs for sure. Yeah, we'll move. Let's move to the like the middle of the pack and talk about the inner out. We'll do our inner out segment. It's the same. It's kind of the same teams we've been talking about, right? Like it's Texas, yeah. Cincinnati, not Maine, much Michigan state. Yeah, not much change this week. And I will say, uh, with TCU losing two straight now, they probably yeah they probably kind are. of creep back in to where, especially if you drop a game this week, which we'll get yeah. more into, you're you're really starting to worry about your um mm-hmm. your bubble chances again. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right, Texas. What do you think about Texas? So Texas, um, this week they lose to Iowa State, um, and then they they beat the they beat the hell out of West Virginia yesterday. So it's hard to know. That really doesn't show you too much. But they lost to West Virginia earlier in the year. So, you know, beating them as handedly as they did is a good sign. Um, I don't know. What do you think? What do you think of this team? I can't I can't figure that yeah. out because they keep coming back. I don't know. Yeah, I, I still think they're um they're they're pretty safely in, I would say at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously still in that bubble line, but it's it's an interesting conversation because they were favorite against Iowa State at home and and obviously they were favorite against West Virginia too and dropping one of them you probably put them back you know just keep them on the bubble conversation one more week but um they have a super interesting game they go at Houston 
Saturday. They have a week to prepare for it, which I'm super interested to see what they come out of that with. Um, because they lose that, you know, no real shame because you're expected to lose it at Houston, one of the best teams in the country. But um, you know, yeah, they're they're pretty safely in, in right now, still considering. You know, they haven't locked up any tournament means by any. They haven't locked up any tournament bid by any means. Uh, they're twenty five in Ken Palm, thirty three in net. So I would say that pretty solidifies them in right now. But a couple losses here and here, you're back on the very questionable side for sure. Yeah, they've got a um pretty difficult slate coming up. They have Houston, like you said. They do get Kansas State, which is nice. But then it's a bunch of heavy hitters. They get. Kansas, Texas Tech, Baylor, Oklahoma. They get Oklahoma State in the middle of that, so that's nice. But um, they're going to have an opportunity to get a couple more big wins. They go on the road to play Houston and Kansas and Texas Tech and Baylor. So actually, it's really a difficult stretch for them closing it out. So it'll be you know yeah. opportunities to get really, really quality wins. But I think now we're five weeks in a row of Texas splitting their games i'm pretty sure if i'm reading this right which is crazy they haven't yeah gone on any sort of streak really um yeah that's why i stuck around in the segment yeah and honestly if you're looking at it they get houston and kansas state they're probably or i guess this is only they're only getting one this week but um they probably split those two if you're looking at but anyway um yeah i think they're in i'm i'm with you their metrics are good they're starting to figure it out a little bit and you know, they have, they have opportunities to get quality wins coming up. All right. Cincinnati. What do you think? They, let's see the week they had. They They went to Texas. lost to Houston. They went to Texas tech and one. That's pretty big. And then they, uh, yeah, they lost to Houston in this game. I think tech was last week though. Right. Oh yeah. That was last Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. so So this week they only had Houston. They lost by five. Yeah. So basically, you know, we've had them – I'm just going to keep them in the same spot as I've had them the past couple of weeks is barely missing it. Mm-hmm. They're still looking for that, like, signature win where they don't split and win a game they're not supposed to, which could be at home against Iowa State Tuesday, which is mm-hmm. a super interesting game because Iowa State, as we talked about, is super good, and having them at home makes them at least semi-beatable. Um, so if they pull that one out, then they get UCF on Saturday. This could be a big week for Cincinnati to to take a step and mm-hmm. really boost their tournament chances. Uh, losing to Houston, you know they were close in that game. They might have been. I don't know if they were. They were up at some points of the game. Like, um, yeah, they were up at half, and so they played them tough, which keeps them right on the line of the bubble conversation. But losing at Houston really doesn't. Or losing to Houston really doesn't move you up or down anywhere. Um, yeah. They're 32 in camp, I'm 34 in net, so they're right on that angle. I would say barely missing because they just need that signature one bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. They they don't – you're right. They don't really have a signature. I guess at BYU is a good win early January, but other than that, they really don't have – they beat TCU at home in overtime – I guess going to Texas Tech and winning there is a pretty huge win, but they are kind of in need of like, I mean, Iowa State would be a massive win for them. Yeah. Um, they have like opportunities. A top ten win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A top ten win would be huge. Um, 
for them though, they I'm looking at the rest of their schedule. It's as far as Big 12 goes, it's semi favorable. The some of the teams they get to play in this last what month of the regular season, they get UCF on the road, Oklahoma State twice. I'm sorry, Oklahoma Oklahoma State just once. They already did that, but they get like Kansas State at home, West Virginia at home. So there's definitely these winner winnable oppor- uh, yeah. opportunities for them. Although you know some tough games as well, like TCU on the road, Houston on the road, um, Oklahoma on the road. So it's all you know up in the air for them. I think they're right there. And if I said they're, I mean, if I said they're out last week, which I think I did, that means they kind of have to be out this week. I think so, but they're right there. They're close and they definitely have an opportunity to get in. If I had to make a guess, I bet they probably end up there. Um, But right now I think they're probably just outside of it. Yeah. I think come selection Sunday, they're going to be nervous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause they be just haven't got out of that, of that position for uh, the whole year pretty much. So yeah. Cincinnati fans will have an exciting yeah. month here coming up yeah all right last one i guess we're gonna keep talking about these guys but kansas state (laughs) has um made its way back into the bubble just one week after we write them off yeah Uh, they they get get a win at kansas or against kansas lose to byu i don't know we had them out last week they get that they get a signature win that was a big win for them but i think they're still just out i mean they're not just out i think they are pretty comfortably still out there i think they're 72 in kim bomb it's just not they're they need more of these wins um they're still five and six in big 12 they have opportunities to get a couple more big wins but i don't think they have enough big wins right now um and they have a couple not great losses so i'm i'm gonna keep them out yeah, I agree. Um, I just threw them on there because they, they had a good week, that Kansas yeah. win, and playing BYU tough. And then I keep seeing them pop up. Like, they whenever do. I they're look good. at bracketologies, they're yeah. always, like, they're still in there. the conversation, which yeah, kind of surprises me because yeah. their resume, like, they shouldn't be close. Like, they're 69 in Ken Palm mm-hmm. and 76 in net. Yeah. Um, so they should not – there's probably so many more, like – I don't know, mid-major type teams that sh- probably should be considered for this. Um, but, hey, they keep sticking around. And if they, yeah. as we've talked about so much, um, if they put it together, they have the talent to do so. So props to them for coming back in the segment, but it's yeah. still a no for me. And their schedule is TCU. They have a week to prepare for TCU, which we'll talk about more. Um, mm. At Texas get BYU, and then you get West Virginia home, and then you go at Cincy, at Kansas, home against Iowa State. That's a really so tough. So they, yeah, that's a tough probably the toughest schedule anybody left. Yeah, that's yeah, brutal. definitely. That's so brutal. they gotta they gotta play insane for them, I think, to get yeah. a tournament bid. But yeah. here they are again, to find yeah, the odds. There again, they're gonna keep coming back, I guess. <laughs> as long, honestly, they should just play for overtime instead of playing for wins. Yeah, then just, just try, to, try to get in overtime as hard as you can. I will say the only game them having is TCU this week. Like, we could put a nail in the K-State appearing yeah. in the in or out segment. Yeah. Which would be fun. Yeah. Yeah, that would be fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that'll be a good game. Let's talk about that more in a second. Um, 
I don't know. Do you have anything else? Or do you want to take a break and go do it? Yeah, let's go talk about some TCU. All right, we'll be back. Cool. Okay, we're back and we're going to talk TCU basketball. They only played one. They only played one game this week. It was a Saturday game against Iowa State. They lost it. I will be completely honest. I was golfing, so I was trying to kind of keep up with the game while I was golfing. So I'm gonna need your help just to help me figure out what exactly went wrong here. Yeah, uh, it's about what you'd expect. It mm-hmm. it was, I think, textbook to what I expected. Uh, you know, we all picked them to lose last week, mm-hmm. and um, but. Yeah, it was it was what Iowa State does to you. TCU couldn't. We start off, we hit two threes, and then we couldn't get a bucket for like seven minutes or something like that. Uh, mm. so we had like six points by the time like the twelve minute mark came around. Um, Iowa State's defense was hounding. You know, Taman and Keyshawn were were pushing. Um, our guards like we predicted. Uh, the the blueprint is out on how to beat us. You know, they didn't handle it well again. The turnovers weren't necessarily horrible, but it was more about slowing down our offense. I think we only had six fast break points the whole game, and this was the lowest score we've had all game. Um, so Iowa State's a really good team, and so I don't think you can take it too seriously because, you know, as you know, we had Ian on too, and we all predicted that they lose this one because it's so tough, and it was probably their toughest game that they have left on the schedule in the regular season. Um, mm. E-Man was the best player, uh, I'd say for sure. You know, he was good on the on the O boards. I thought Uday played a really good game. Um, and Tennyson just had an off game. And mm. he's gotten to a point where he's been such a, like, a great player as the season has come along, especially in conference play, where if he has an off game, it really hurts you because uh, he's going to play – 30 plus minutes every night it looks like at this point just because of the spark that he can give you and it's it's tough to rebound when he has an off game but Jacoby off the bench was was playing good hitting good shots overall though I mean you got to be better to um mm-hmm. to beat such a good team like Iowa State at Iowa State so I wouldn't mm-hmm. say it's it's horrible because you don't expect to win here but uh you definitely wanted to show a little bit better of showing mm-hmm yeah, so just being – I was able to watch some of it, but being a box score watcher here, the starting lineup, kind of a rough look. It was Emmanuel Miller with 18, and then nobody else had more than five. So um, yeah. Uday had three, which actually is fine. You come to expect that from Uday. He also had uh, five rebounds and three yeah. steals, so a good game, like you said. He was he was like, he was like the only guy for us in plus minus, and his work mm-hmm. on the boards, yeah, the three steals too. Mm-hmm. I thought Uday played a a really good game and you know one of his best in conference so far for sure. That's awesome. Plus to look at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then like you said, Tennyson three points when he's not going when he's not shooting well. It's hard. It's hard because he's like TCU shooter, um, yeah. and he's gonna have off games. Like you can't expect him to shoot fifty percent every night from three, but. Um, it's you know when he when he doesn't when he goes one of six from three you have to have someone else step up, and nobody else really did. You mentioned Coles, Kobe yeah. had fourteen, which I think is an encouraging sign for him. He had kind of been in a slump for ever since that injury. Kind of he came back and never really looked like he did in the beginning, but he's starting to kind of figure it out. I think. Yeah, the last three um, games he's been. Yeah, he's been back. Yeah, 
Um, I don't know. I can't I, I can't speak too much because I, I wasn't able to lock in and focus on it. Yeah. But this is we've talked we talked earlier. You guys heard us talk about Iowa State. I think they're really good. I, th- I think very highly of Iowa State. Obviously, it would be it would have been nice to split those games and you know there were opportunities to win the win the game earlier uh that was in fort worth that's a much you know that's a much more winnable game i think yeah but i don't know this is a really good team they'll be a top 10 team or they should be and may, and i think they should be higher than just 10 you know i think they're really good so i wouldn't panic about the loss but that is now two straight losses for tcu in I don't know. They they only had one game this week. They've lost to Texas and Iowa State back to back. They've they're now sixteen and seven overall, five and five in the conference. Um, are is there? We talked about you. You said they're they're they may be slipping into that in or out bubble conversation. Yeah. How how far how far off are they right now? How comfortable do you think they are? I'd say you have a little bit of a cushion right now, just because, like I said, they've played the majority of their toughest games so far um, at Provo is going to be tough. Uh, they go at tech next Tuesday. And those are the only two games where they have Baylor at home too. Those are the only two, maybe three games that they won't be favored in the rest of the year of eight. So very winnable schedule for TCU going forward. And I think the Iowa state performance was less about TCU being bad than Iowa State just being really good. Mm-hmm. I will say though, everything was tough. Um, and everything has has been tough in the half court, not to the extent of Iowa State because they're a special defense, but all the shots we were getting were extremely tough to come by. Um, you know, it was late shot clock, had to put it up type stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, Avery was struggling a little bit, Jameer was, was struggling to get threes off. Trey hit the first three of the game, so it was a deep one, and um, and then you know he was just struggling to find that open space, and even a little bit having to four shots here or there just because of the circumstances. So it's the kind of all the issues that we've been talking about throughout the year showed up in this game. I would say, um, you know, half court execution, dependency on the fast break, which since it wasn't here we only put up 59 points which i think before this game the lowest we put up in the season was 65 uh so that's a big you know a big mark micah in the half court was struggling because you know mike is so good in transition and that's what he thrives on um so oh that if you don't have micah trey avery or jameer um showing up for you it's so tough to um mm. to help out an e-man in in that yeah. sense but encouraging signs from uday e-man continues to be one of the best players in the nation so mm. those are the positives there and the main positives are looking ahead because you have to turn around fast having a game at west virginia on monday mm. and i would declare that game not a must win but a can't lose mm. yeah you can't lose to West Virginia because then yeah. yeah then you have yeah three in a row and then you are waiting from Monday to Saturday to play your next game so mm-hmm. um yeah I I would say put the Iowa State game behind you they're a super tough team and you will need to get better 
against defenses when it comes to Big 12 tournament postseason play when there's no excuses of further schedule being in your favor. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, you gotta you gotta put it behind you and win these next two games because West Virginia and Kansas State are both very winnable games, and um, obviously we'll predict it later. But yeah, very winnable games. Yeah, I think the good the good thing is like obviously this team's lost two in a row, and after winning those three straight against Oklahoma State, Baylor, and Texas Tech, you're kind of on top of uh, TCU's probably feeling on top of the on top of the world. Um, they look like one of the better teams in the countries with one of the better resumes. And then they lose to Texas and Iowa State. Fine. But now now there's a there's a good opportunity ahead. Like you said, the schedule in front of them is really manageable. They've got the 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 meat of their schedule is behind them, I'd say. And especially this week, coming off two straight losses, you want to have – I mean, it's really nice to have two games that are, are you know – like you say, can't lose games. West Virginia and Kansas State are both teams you should be beating, um, especially kind of as we creep closer to March. Those are games you really want to win. Um, and we can get into those previews if you want and just yeah, talk about what needs to happen. Because, you know, we obviously Iowa State is tough. West Virginia does not – I mean, it's – very safe to say that West Virginia does not have the defense that Iowa State has. So, what do you what do you want to see? I guess from from the TCU offense is it as simple as Trey hitting like two or three more shots, or is it as simple as Jameer? You know, kind of he's kind of this up. He's been this up and down guy. Maybe it's as simple as him coming back up. Maybe it's Jacoby Cole's continued play. What do you want to see? I guess this week. Yeah. Um. One thing that. I think is big is that Western Indiana doesn't take care of the ball particularly well, and they don't rebound the ball well, which are TCU's, I don't know, especially in recent conversations, some of their biggest issues is, have been rebounding, which they're actually better at, like, good at in the Iowa State game. That was a, um, a big plus for them, especially on the O boards. So just dominate the O boards and force West Virginia turnovers. As you said, West Virginia's offense is 181 in Kempom, their defense is 122. So none of those are particularly strong suits. Um, just take advantage of that. You know, try to get out in your fast break. Be hot, be pressure on your guards. I'm excited for one. Uh, I hope Frog fans pack the house Monday night um, because Kirk Creesa is like one of the our biggest oh, villains, I would say, yeah, in all of college probably, basketball. Yeah, yeah. yeah, just because that Arizona game and him, you know, coming – to campus later on and throwing the frogs up down which is uh it's it's a funny move but you know i i hope frog fans make it uncomfortable for him and all of west virginia because it's a game we do need to win uh you know you can't sleep on any team this is probably the easiest game you have this mm-hmm. or oklahoma state at home that you need to win um not must win but <laughs> Yeah, right. can't can't lose, but um, yeah, you just gotta win this game, and and you, you gotta play it at your pace because they're a team that you can dictate the pace against because you're such a better team than them, talent yeah. wise. Yeah, yeah, getting West Virginia, they they get them twice in the next, I guess, month of the regular season, which is big, and like you said, they get um, 
I don't know who else. The Kansas State. We'll talk about that in a minute. But like, I don't know. These are these are games that you have to win, and getting them at home right now is big because obviously West Virginia is tough a tough place to play. So getting them at home first, um, I think, is a really good opportunity to bounce back and get a win before you go, you know, to Kansas State and play there. But I don't know. Yeah, I want to see. I'd love to see just a a really complete game from both of our main ball handlers, Avery and Jameer. I think I'd love to see them have one of those games that they had. Like, I don't know. They they have really great games, and then they have games like the Iowa State game where they just aren't huge factors. So I'd love to see them kind of put together another uh, good collective effort. Um, Yeah, I think – this week is going to be a much more manageable week than the last two games have been um, just opponent wise. So um, yeah, let's talk about Kansas state though, because I mean, it's, cause we don't talk about them enough on this podcast. Yeah. Talk about them some more. <laughs> We're probably uh, the number you, one K state podcast. Yeah. yeah good Lord. Uh, what do you think about, what do you think about Kansas state uh, on the road is tough, but to me, this is another game you should definitely be winning. Yeah, what do they call it? the octagon of doom over there? They gotta go yeah. into. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a tough environment. It's gonna be on a Saturday, eleven, um, eleven a.m. Central tip. Mm-hmm. So it's gonna be tough. I think it. You know, I would consider it kind of a rivalry game based on you know football and the, and the schools recently. So super exciting environment for actual basketball terms. The big thing about K State, which I think has made them struggle so much. They are 351 of 362 teams in the nation in turnover percentage. Mm-hmm. They turn the ball over over 21.5% of their possessions, which is kind of insane. That's one out of every five. So your on-ball defenders, which I believe are some of the strong suits of this team. I think Micah Peavy is one of the best premier defenders in the nation. And I think Jameer and Avery both have strong suits in there um, that can – be able to defend Tyler Perry and Camp Carter. So do the Iowa State thing where you pressure them with your strongest on-ball defenders, get on transition, and I think this game is very winnable, um, mm-hmm. even being on the road. Super tough environment. Um, so I'm not, like, confident, confident, but I feel pretty good about our matchup just based on our personnel and K-State's personnel. Mm-hmm. K-State doesn't defend uh, the rebounds that great too they're 253rd and allowing offensive rebound percentage on offense which Uday has been good at like they just out rebounded the hell at Iowa State last week so I think he could have a good day on the boards being you know both team strong suits aren't necessarily the big man but him and E-Man could have a good day um, because they have that height advantage over a lot of K-State players yeah Tyler Perry and Camp Carter and Kaluma and those guys are some of the best players in the conference. So they could get hot at any moment. And this is a hundred percent, not like K-State probably might even be favored in this game. I would say just mm-hmm. because of yeah. the momentum they're kind of been riding over the past week and having a week to prepare and being at home um, in a game where TCU is not, hasn't played their best ball of late, but I'm pretty confident that we can pull out the win. Yeah, Kim Palm has this game as a one-point difference in TCU's favor, which scares me because that's 
pretty close to that overtime marker that TCU is not going to want to get to. But <laughs> yeah. um, it's just very favorable. It's not like it's a it's a gimme, but uh, you know, coming off of the week that they had, needing kind of some some vibes, some good vibes. Uh, this is another game like they should be, you know, the better team. I, I mean, I know they're the better team. It's just the other there are other variables like um, the environment there, just the um, the fact that Kansas State has a week to to sit and prepare for TCU. Um, Tyler Perry coming off a good week. Like they, we said they're talented. We know they're talented. It's just about how they can put that together and do it efficiently. And I think you're right. I think if TCU makes guys like Tyler Perry uncomfortable, like everybody is seeming to do to TCU, um, I think that's should be the goal. They are gonna, you know, have a much better chance of winning if they don't let Tyler Perry get uncomfortable. Because if you make him take uncomfortable shots, they probably are not gonna go in all the time. And it's probably gonna be, you know, inefficient, which is really all you can ask for. So I don't know. I think you just need to pressure them, make them uncomfortable. And I think a fast start is gonna be necessary at Kansas State because We've seen them come back a lot, but I think going to Kansas State, being in that environment, um, I don't know. I think that's going to be a really, you know, they're going to be rocking there. And if you go down early, yes, they've proved that they can come back and handle it. But I would, I would say that a fast start here is obviously what you want and would would be, I don't know, not a not a uh, necessity really but i would say it would be something they should prioritize because it's going to be tough to make any sort of comeback effort yeah that's a good point because uh, you know that's what happened in the iowa state game where they just went mm. down early both and they them, made both iowa state games. yeah and they made runs here or there um more in that home game but you know they had a 10 out run yesterday that cut it to i think four or something and they had times when they made it close but they couldn't overcome that that bad start at the beginning just mm-hmm. because of how, you know, the environment, like you said. But, yeah, the key to this game, just don't let it get to overtime because then it's a loss. So um, that's that with, with K-State. Yep. That's that, yeah. Um. Okay, I think it's time. Let's do our Let's do our predictions. What do you think? Two, obviously, two favorable games this week for TCU. What is your prediction? Yeah, um... I feel like I'm I'm very interested to see the line. Uh, obviously, the Monday game will impact mm-hmm. what it is, but the line against Kansas State because I think it's going to be interesting, and I could very well see TCU being dogs in that one. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm going to do it. I I know whenever TCU has you know a loss or a couple losses in a row, I feel like people are so quick to get super down on uh, the program what we have, but. I feel like these are going to be two wins and it's going to get people right back up, riding high on yeah. um, TCU. I think it's going to be a clean sweep week. Uh, you know, all, the guys were were sick, I think, a lot in the Texas game especially. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the Iowa State game, too, was just super tough. The schedule is going to be favorable, and I, I do believe these two games are going to be the start to playing your best ball 
when it matters come March, which is going to be super exciting because that's exactly where you want to be. So I'm going to go yeah. clean sweep, two wins. The vibes are back after this week. I like it. And it's kind of, yeah. I like that. Um, I'm looking at the schedule in the Big 12 play, like when they have a an a unfortunate stretch, they respond well. They lost to Kansas on the road early, first Big 12 game of the year. Controversy, demoralizing. They respond by beating two top 10 teams at home the next week in Oklahoma and Houston. And then they, following that, they lose to Cincinnati and Iowa State. They respond to that by winning three straight against Oklahoma State, Baylor, and Texas Tech. They follow that up with two straight losses to Texas Tech, Iowa State. They haven't lost more than two games in a row all year. They haven't even, I think I'm looking at this right, they haven't even lost two of three games all year. Um, so, I, yeah, I, well, yeah, they have. I don't know what I was saying there. But I'm going to go with uh, <laughs> I know sweep as well. Yeah. I, I'm trying to figure out what I was trying to, maybe two of, I don't know. The point is, maybe. they respond. Yeah. They typically respond well. <laughs> they typically respond well to um, the downs, and I think that you know the last two games have been downs for TCU. I'm going to join you in the clean sweep. I think Let's that ride. Kansas State game is going to be really, really interesting. But I do think that if they're serious about like being a March March team and. I don't know. They these are games they need to win. Looking at the rest of their schedule, they're tough games. Um, they have a stretch of Texas Tech, Cincinnati, Baylor, BYU, which, you know, is not the toughest stretch that they've seen this year, but it is tough. So getting these two wins before that, I think, is has to be a priority of theirs. So I'm gonna join you in the clean sweep there. That's right. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I think the win at Kansas State, especially with the history of TCU Kansas State in recent years mm-hmm. yeah. would be such a nice morale boost for mm-hmm. um you know the the school the campus the vibes of the program so yeah uh, I'm I'm super excited for this week and you can't yeah. overlook Westfall but um I'm excited for the K-State game especially too yeah yeah um all right well Monday game so we're recording a Sunday We'll try to have this out tonight or tomorrow morning so you can listen before that West Virginia yeah. game. But um, Monday and Saturday are the games. We both predict clean sweeps, which is fun. Um, but, yeah, that's that's uh, that's all we have, I think. Um, before we go, though, we should tell you we have a great guest coming up. We mentioned it earlier, Michael Robinson, a big-time recruit in this year's recruiting class. It was a super cool conversation uh with him um so please uh stick around and we'll get right to him yeah it was awesome getting to talk to micah you know um learning about his recruitment process because he was recruit you know he got offers by kansas tech everybody you'll 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 listen more in the interview but yeah number three recruit in all of tcu history and um it's a big part of what's keeping the program on the up and up and, and mm-hmm. looking up. So super cool conversation with them. Awesome dude. Um, yeah. Excited for people to hear this one. Yeah. And I won't spoil too much, but next week's episode is also going to be really good. Um, yeah. We've got another really great guest. If you're a TCU hoops fan, this is such a, like an awesome interview we had. So yeah, we don't want to spoil it, but it's awesome. And uh, 
you're going to want to come back and listen to it. So definitely for put sure. Put that out there. Put that out there. 100%. All right. All right. Let's, uh, let's take a break and uh, bring Mr. Michael Robinson on. Let's do it. All right, now on Frog Fever Podcast, we have one of our biggest guests we've ever had, uh, Michael Robinson. He's the third highest recruit in TCU history, number 64 in the ESPN 100, and plays at the legendary Oak Hill Academy in Virginia. Um, just to get started, thank you for coming on, obviously. And Oak Hill's obviously such a legendary school that's produced players like Carmelo, KD, Rondo, Kelvin Johnson, Brandt, like you can go on. How did they recruit you, and why did you choose that program? Yeah, so um, I I had originally came out here for my junior year, so that was last year, and um, they had they had recruited me over the summer when I was playing with my AU, my AU program, Southern Assault, and um, Coach Stoneman, our head coach, he had first seen me in one of our Adidas sessions when we were down in Rock Hill, South Carolina, and um, he he saw me there, and um. Fortunately, my AAU coach at the time had a connection with him, and so he got in contact with him. And then, of course, that's kind of how um, I got in contact with him. And then um, they started recruiting me, and I came up there for my junior year. And then I came back this year, of course, so that's pretty much how um, I got I got that going with coming here. You were offered by a lot of really great schools, and you, you, we hear from kids all the time talking about how they do – some do like the recruitment process a lot. Some don't mm -hmm. like it as much as others. How was that process for you? And what did, what were what were your thoughts of it? Yeah, so um, I definitely I definitely have both sides of it. You know, because because the, the recruiting process it's it is a it is a fun process. You know, because of course um, not every kid who plays basketball and has junior playing in college is able to prefer those dreams. You know, because it is still a very small percentage of people who are able to you know, be able to have or or to be able to say they've been able to have a recruiting process. But um I would definitely say that um it was a good process for me because um as you guys noted, um I did have um some good options and um a lot of good options for me. So um that kinda that kinda made it easier for me. But then also, you know, um it was also, you know, just trying to choose the right school. You know, that's kinda where like the stress part plays into it, you know, because it's like a really big a really big decision for um a kid, you know, making that decision, you know, going to a school, pretty much handing your future kind of in the hands of that coaching staff. So um, it was definitely a huge decision, huge decision for me. And um, the process was really smooth and really good for me. Awesome. Yeah, you're from Frisco in the in the DFW area, if I'm not mistaken. And um, I've heard you talk about how a real connection for you that made you blow up and become the, the big recruit that you are happened your freshman year while playing for Southern Assault, which is, um, mm -hmm. you know, a program in the DFW area that gets a lot of big time D1 programs out of there. Um, is that yeah. the moment that clicked for you that would be successful or do you have another one in mind? Yeah, um, I would I would really say that was one of the main ones because going there my freshman year, so so my freshman summer, um, that, that was really the first time that I was able to be really just unleashed and be able to show my full potential and, and what I can develop, you know, as I keep growing. Because um I feel like I feel like going to that going to going to that program at that time um they saw in me what I hadn't seen in myself yet so um them putting their trust in me all throughout the years I was with them um they really it really helped me develop into the player I am and um I really give all the thanks to them for all they've done for me because like I said um they really put put me on the platform to develop and show what I can do and what I could become um as um as long as I kept working. 
Yeah. So according to your um, two four seven page, you've got a lot of really good offers like Kansas, Kansas State, LSU, Oklahoma, uh, like Texas Tech, all these schools. And your final mm-hmm. four, I believe, was LSU, TCU, Virginia Tech, and Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. How how did you? And we're certainly pleased that you came to the the decision that you did. But how how did you come to that decision and decide on TCU? Yeah. So um, it was. It was it was actually it was actually at the time it was a really clear cut decision for me. But um prior to knowing where where I wanted to go, it was it was it was really a tough decision because um this kind of ties back to what I was saying about the recruiting process because um it's there's a there's a business part of it, but then there's also the part of it where like the kids get to build a relationship with the coaches, you know, because they're always reaching out and texting and stuff like that. Um and so um that was one of the main things that I struggled with, you know, because um, I remember telling my mom, you know, how am I going to call these coaches and tell them that I'm not going to school after they put all their time in the recruitment and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, really, really um, what made me come to the decision to, you know, ultimately choose TCU was um, it was – it just felt natural for me, you know, because because from other times and, like, all the visits that I took to TCU – um, just some other phone calls and um, text messages with with the coaching staff. Um, I felt like I felt like everything was natural, and I felt like they really cared for me more than just a player who's going to be coming to play for the program. You know, I, I really feel like they care for my well being, um, what they can, what they see in my game that can help me get better, and um, also just you know, caring for my family and stuff like that because family is um is a a really big part of my life. So I really just say that, and then just um, I trust in coach Coach Dixon's plan. And the whole coaches that they're playing for me and um, how they view that I can help the team as well as help, help me get to my my ultimate goal. So um, I, I would really say those were the main things that um, led me to my decision. Yeah, I know uh, Vanderbilt was in the last couple schools for you, as he noted, and Jerry Stack as the coach was an Oak Hill alum. So was <laughs> it tough to choose in between that? Because obviously he's got yeah. that connection there. Yeah, um, that was that, that was definitely tough because um you know of course like you said you know the the Oak Hill brotherhood you know he he went here and then uh, and then um of course his success um he's had throughout his playing 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 days in the league and also his coaching years so um that was that was definitely a tough decision you know just because he's pretty much he's he's pretty much been through everything that I'm going through right now you know he's been in this in in these dorms you know at the same campus and he, of course he's been through college and of course made it to where I want to go so um that was definitely a tough decision but um I'm I'm definitely still glad of the decision that I made um so like Nick's Nick mentioned earlier that you're a, a DFW guy you're from Frisco originally uh did that play a part in you choosing TCU to wanting to come back home play play any role in that decision yeah um I I really wouldn't say like it was like a main factor that was like that was like I need that like I need to pick a school you know, in, in this area or like or like in Texas to play in. But um I really wouldn't say it was a factor, but I would say it's more of like a benefit of me coming back to play because of course um TCU and Fort Worth it's maybe forty five minute hour drive from from all my family and friends back at home. So um definitely definitely that was one of the good things that came out of it, you know, because of course my mom and my dad they're all supportive so they can always be at my games and um if if needed, you know, they can come see me whenever they want to. So um that was one of the one of the benefits that came out of it. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you took your official visit to TCU at the Colorado football game this year? Yeah. Did that play an impact to, like, seeing what the TCU culture was like and how was that experience? 
You know, it actually it actually really did because um I remember I remember saying in a previous interview that that was out that was actually one of like the main things that made me realize like yes like this is the place I want to be because because I actually took two I took two visits to um TCU I took one over the summer and then um I took another one um of course that weekend and um it was it it, it was before they had implemented the the um only one official visit uh rule to the school so that's why. I was able to take two, but the first one I took over the summer, um, it was before all the students were on campus and it was just the freshmen because they were going through their orientation and stuff like that. So, you know, the campus really wasn't, I I guess, I guess I would say I, I really couldn't get a feel for like what it was actually like. Yeah. But then coming back that weekend, you know, everybody was out there, um, all the alumni was there. Um, and then, and then just seeing all the fan base, you know, and um, all the support they got from that, that really showed me what the, what the TCU community is like. You know, and that was whenever I really realized, that, like, yeah, this is probably this is the place I want to be at. That's awesome. Yeah, because that game was an exciting one. Yeah. So for for people who have not seen you play and are are not familiar with your game, um, can you describe your your play style, what type of player you are, and maybe give mm-hmm. us like a like an NBA comparison of a guy you 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 uh, model your game after? Yeah. So um, this is this is always a fun of of. of a fun question I like answering. Um, my, if I had to describe it in one word, um, I would probably just use the word versatile. You know, um, I know I know a lot of people like to use that to describe it, but um, I really just say that because because I feel like I can I can contribute to the game in a lot of different ways that don't really impact scoring or doing all the highlight plays and stuff like that. And um, I would really just say I would say someone who can score the ball. Um, in a lot of different ways, you know, um, I can be used in a lot of different ways. Um, I'm, I really wouldn't describe me as a primary ball handler, but um, if you watch, um, if you go back and watch my film, if I'm needed in that in that role, um, I feel like I can I can feel that. Um, and over the past year and a half, my jump shot um, has improved tremendously. Um, going my sophomore year, I think I was at around 30% from three, and then these past two years, um, my junior year, and then this year, I'm shooting 45 plus from three. So um that that that's been a huge part of my game, which has allowed me to um become the player I am, and also just someone who's gonna you know defend hard because um I like to take pride in taking the other team's best matchup because I feel like that type of stuff finds I find like I find enjoyment and stuff like that I guess. So just definitely a hard nosed defender, um who's gonna be doing who's gonna be willing to do whatever it takes for the team to win and just a, um a hard competitor. Yeah, and you mentioned your versatility, you know, at being 6'6", you know, that forward that can play all these different kind of positions. And TCU obviously likes to run the run the fast break a lot. Did that mm-hmm. kind of style seem to fit you and that did that play a part in, in why you want to come here? A hundred percent because um that that was actually one of the one of the Coach Benford's main recruiting pitches with me, you know, just because of how my play style fits theirs perfectly. And I hundred percent agree because I feel like I'm best whenever I'm able to just get out. And just play, you know, not really. I guess, I guess, I guess, I'll just just describe it as being able to play freely, and of course, in transition, you know, it's fast, up and down, or fast pace. And um, I feel like I feel like that's 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 really where um, I excel at, whether I'm running the wings, you know, um, or getting the rebound myself and pushing and making plays for myself or for my teammates. So I'm, I really feel like that's that's an area where 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 my game is really good at. So I feel like I'll fit right in with their philosophy in that. Yeah, Nick mentioned earlier you're the third highest ranked recruit in TCU history. Um, what do you bring to this program from like a success point standpoint? What do you hope to 
uh, get out of it when it's all said and done for you at TCU? Yeah, um, definitely, definitely just like, like I was saying earlier, um, I feel like I feel like I bring to the table um, just somebody who's going to be willing to do whatever it takes. You know, um, I feel like I feel like a lot of people say that, but a lot of people aren't really willing to do what it takes, I guess I would say. Um, really just whatever the coaches have needs me to do on the floor, um, I'm willing to do, whether it's go out there for one possession and get a rebound or if it's to be the best teammate on the bench, whatever it is to help the team succeed at the time. Um, I'm, I'm, I'll be willing to do it. And then also just, um, I really want to, you know, make, make an impact, you know, on the, on the program, not only just, um, the team wise, but just like in the community and stuff like that. Um, I want people to know me as someone who's not just a basketball player, you know, cause, um, I also, I also take my academics pretty serious too. And, um, I'm, I'm hoping to major in business there. So definitely just, definitely just leave my impact both on and off the court. And um, when my time is done there, um, people will remember as not just a basketball player, you know. Awesome. Definitely. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. Um, and you're also, you know, a part of the class of the 11th best class in TCU history recruiting with uh, David Punch, Malik DL, and Ashton Simmons. Have you gotten mm -hmm. a chance to talk to those guys? And how do you think they complement your game? I have. Um, I have because um, I was, if I believe I'm right, I was the first one. I was the first, and then after me it was it was Aston, and then David, yeah. and then me. Yeah. And so, and so, um, I remember, um, I remember telling Coach Benford just just tell me who, and um, I'm gonna get to my recruiting, and um, awesome. I was, and uh, I was, I was texting them weekly, two, three times a week. Sometimes, sometimes I got, I thought, I thought they thought I was annoying. Sometimes I was, I was texting <laughs> them, but um, yeah, um, I actually, I, I have not got the chance to speak to them in person yet. Because um, I remember, I remember the one weekend whenever David and Ashton were there for the um, Houston game, I think it was, or whatever weekend that was, they were there. But I was here at school, and then on um, Malik, um, I got a chance to see him at one of our um, league league sessions down in Laporte, Indiana. So um, I got to talk to him for a little bit, and then um, uh, I haven't had the chance to speak to the other two yet in person. But um, I'm sure, I'm sure whenever I do, we'll, we'll, we'll click instantly, and then. Um, also, I just think uh, we we our games kind of all fit together because we're we we're not really in the same position. But if you look at us four, you could throw us into their program or the system right now, and we would all fit a piece. Um, so um, I'm definitely just uh, really excited about that because um, I feel like we all complement each other really well just from seeing their clips and stuff like that and seeing them play over the summer. So um, I'm definitely uh, really excited about getting to the club with them. That's awesome. I love hearing that recruiting side of from a TCU yeah. fan. We're building up the program for sure. Yeah. Um, that class, you know, like the best in TCU history is a huge deal. Um, what, like, what, what can, what is that class capable of doing for TCU, um, in you guys' time there? Yeah. Um, I think I think that we're going to be willing to do, or able to do a lot. Because um, as you guys know now, um, we're TCU's top 25 right now has won four straight Big 12, I think. So the success is already there. Um, of course, in, in the previous years, you know, making making it two runs in the tournament, you know, um, having two two close losses like that back-to-back -back years, you know, it's tough like that. But um, I feel like I feel like us coming in, um, we're going to be able to help the program a lot and um, be really be able to take it to new heights. Because um, I feel like I feel like I feel like all of us come to the table, ready to bring something to the game at a at a at a at a young age, I guess. Because um, traditionally, traditionally, Coach Dixon 
um, his teams are usually older, you know, because um, I remember watching the games on TV. They're talking about how um, it, it, we're, like, like we're one of the oldest teams this year. But um, I really feel like just from hearing the feedback from the coaches, um, they're really expecting us all to come in and uh, make an early impact. And so um, I definitely feel like that we're going to be able to really take the program to some heights that it hasn't been in, in, in a really long time. It's awesome. Definitely. And uh, to take it back to Oak Hill a, a little bit, I got a fun question for you. Being with there are so many successful players from Oak Hill, if you had to pick a Mount Rushmore, who would you Ooh. who would you go with on there? So top four? Yeah. That's a tough one. But for me, I would have to go Carmelo, of course. Got to put, put Carmelo on there. Got to go Melo, Rondo. Got to go Rondo. Got to go KD. And then... It's a toss. It's a toss up between Josh Smith and Cam Thomas. So they might have to split face 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 with that okay. one. So I'll actually have to go okay. one of those two. Brandon Jennings was tough and and yeah, high school too. Yeah, like he was up that's there. That's the thing. You gotta leave There's Brandon so Jennings many, up. right? No. Um, how's your how's the how's the team doing this year? What do you how are you guys how are you guys playing? I know it's a super talented team, but uh, how's that team going? What are your goals there? Yeah, so um, we're we're actually doing really good right now. We are on total on the season we're seventeen and three maybe, and um, and our three losses have came in our conference games. Um, we lost to Montverde, Luha, and Brewster Academy. Um, so we're five and three in our conference right now, and we got four more games left. And so, as of right now, since our league is so competitive, it's like a it's like a three or four way tie for like fourth place right now in our conference. And we're 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 all in the mix for that. And so um we we are definitely able to make a push for the um the Geico National Tournament, I guess is what they call it. I mean, they changed the name of it, but that's that, that's what I still refer to it as. Um and that's pretty much like the like the high school national championship or or, or like whatever you like to call it. And so um we're definitely in the mix for that. Um we, we just gotta finish the season strong. And when, when really, I'm saying we we got to go four zero, but I'm um, just try to win as much win as much as we can, and um, we'll be in good position for that. Yeah, I mean your roster stacked too. I mean Christian Anderson going to Michigan, DeAndre Lindsay four star, yeah. Kaden Madigan four star, James Vincent Van. Like you guys are legitimately one of the top schools in the nation. So it's cool to see Oak mm-hmm. stay at the top for sure. Yeah. Um. God, we thank you for coming on. Obviously, you're part of the best class in TCU history, third best recruit ever. You know, this is big time. I'm super excited to see how you do at TCU and how you take it to new heights. Uh, we know you have um, NIL merch in your Insta bio, you know, to, mm-hmm. for fans to check it out. Is there anything else you want to you wanna tell the fans and, and plug anything if you need it? Really just say um, I'm excited to be a home frog, and I can't wait to – get to work um in a few months really shoot I was thinking about it I was thinking about it the other day it's really you got February and then March April and then I'll be there first weekend in June so I'm really just excited to get to work and just really excited for what the opportunity is going to bring to me that's exciting stuff I know you came out to a couple games in the past but um do you have any plans for any more games this season yeah, so I I won't be able to come home until until the second week in March, and then um, I'm hoping to be able to make the um the last home conference game. I guess it's the last conference game of the year against uh, UCF. So that's Perfect. probably that's probably the game I'll be at. 
Yeah, awesome. I'll have to say what's up to you there for sure. Yes, awesome. Well, we thank you again. This has been awesome getting to chat with you, chat with you and, and hear you out in your story a little bit. It's, it's been cool to hear, and I'll, I'll follow yes, Oak Hill through, throughout the rest of the season. Yes, sir. Thank you all for having me. Yeah, Micah, thanks a lot, man. Yes, sir. That was Micah Robinson, the third overall recruit in the history of TCU basketball, coming on Frog Fever to talk about recruiting, high school ball, TCU ball, all of it. It was a really cool conversation, and we thank Micah for coming on once again. Thank you for joining and tuning in to another episode of Frog Fever, a Big 12 basketball podcast brought to you by KillerFrogs.com. It was a great episode. Guess what? There's another great episode next week. A awesome guest. We talked about it earlier, but please come back and listen to it. It's going to be awesome. My name is Davis Wilson. My co-host, as always, is Nick Germani, and we will see you next week.